Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. The Bills defeat the Broncos 20-3 in Buffalo today to go 8-3 on the season and two games ahead of the next wildcard competing team. Hello everyone, welcome to this recap episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host Nate and we are recording this podcast from the wonderful DraftKings Sportsbook at the Delago Casino and Resort here in Waterloo, New York. The folks here were nice enough to allow us to watch the game on the huge theater-like TV wall in the sportsbook that has a bar and tables and food and betting kiosks and all that cool stuff. And this is our first time back at DeLago since our interview with Bills Hall of Famer Bruce Smith. And we are going to discuss the Bills' victory today over the Denver Broncos. We'll go over our thoughts on the game, some stats of the game, our plays of the game, and as always, our Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers with some help from our great followers on Twitter. And we also have a John Brown signed jersey announcement that we are going to give today. So as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, John and Mike. Fellas, it's so good to talk to you in person. It's so good to be here at Delago and discuss the Bills going 8-3 and three for the first time in I don't know how long. How are you guys doing? Doing amazing, Nate. First time since 1996. 8-3. But, okay, but, let's open up with this stat. This is a really but, good stat. Here you go. The Bills have been 8-3 and three or better 11 other times in franchise history, making the playoffs all 11 times and making it to the title games six of those 11 times. Oh, that bodes well for us. Over a 50% chance of getting to the title game. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Yeah? 8-3, and three, wow. Stats are awesome, but... Even more than that, I would say, how long have we been watching the Bills, cheering for the Bills, watching the games on CBS, right? And they put up that graphic. Mm. And at this point in the season, the Bills are always on the right side of the graphic in the hunt. <laughs> like, watching the game here at Del Lago, like, when it actually comes up and the Bills are in the middle of that graphic, like, the place almost erupts. Like, the, yeah, the energy is electric. Yeah. Is it, is it just me or, like, when that, when that graphic shows up, you automatically, your eyes automatically shift to the right of the screen? And then down. And then down. <laughs> <laughs> It's never to the left. It's never to the top left. It's always bottom right. <laughs> it's like these teams have to win out to win to get a shot at the wild card, and all these teams in the middle have to lose out. And then it's they like, start talking about controlling their destiny, and the Bills never control they, their they destiny. They were never <laughs> able to control their destiny. Minus two years ago, they've not controlled it once. So today was a, it was a great – I wasn't really worried – at any point in today's game that they weren't, I mean, the beginning of the game, so, you know, there were two red zone drives and they both ended up in field goals. And at the end of the half, it was six to nothing. And the Bills were, you know, had 220 yards of total offense to like, I think it was like 90 something yards to total offense by the Broncos. 
So you're kind of worried. You're like, hey, this game could switch, I guess, at any, at any moment. We'll see how the Bills come out in the second half. Then the Bills came out in the second half. They scored that quick touchdown to Cole Beasley to kind of set it apart 13 to nothing. And I don't know about you guys. I never really looked back from there. It was, it was the Bills defense again with a dominating performance, holding the Broncos to only three points today. Um, you know, really, really did a great job on Tredavious White had an amazing game on Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton, one of the young up and coming wide receivers in the NFL. Um, he held him to. He just had a great game against him. The Bills' defense in general. I mean, I know I know the Broncos did pretty good rushing the ball, but but just they, they just couldn't score. And the Bills really brought the house against you know second second string quarterback Brandon Allen. So I was really happy to see that. I thought Josh Allen had a great game. All things considered, it wasn't you know an amazing statistical game, but I thought he did what he had to when he needed to, and. He just moved the ball uh, strategically throughout the game, and he did eventually hit on a play that was over 30 air yards. So he finally hit on one today. So that's huge. That was I, I just I guess I just wasn't worried at any point in the game. I mean, there wasn't any big gaffes or any big weaknesses by this team offensively, defensively, special teams wise, coaching wise. I thought it was an overall very good game. What did you guys think? I thought it was dominant all all facets of the game and I know you said you're still a little nervous into halftime I would say after that Tredavious White interception like okay it's the Bills have this they were dominating up to that point didn't necessarily translate to a ton of points on the board of course but unlike other games earlier in the season like it didn't feel in doubt to me like my blood pressure was not yeah Right, you, yeah, you, you know, know what I'm know. talking about. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. I know what I you, what you mean. Like last 20 years or so of <laughs> Bills games, them being up and easily being able to give up the the game at any at any given point. What do you think, John? Were you worried at any any moment or? Yeah, I think I'm with Mike on this one. Um, after the white interception, knowing the Bills were going to get the ball back after halftime, I was feeling pretty good about it. Um, you know, even by the end of the game, they didn't have a ton of points. I was looking it up. They are averaging 21 points per game on the season, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's still good for sixth best in the AFC. Wow. So, I mean, what does it tell you about the AFC, right? Exactly. But, um, no, I, I felt felt pretty good, you know, like like the Miami game, right? It's like, you know, it's you want to make sure they, they get going, but, like, I didn't wasn't worried about that game either, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that, that play that you mentioned, John, the Tredavious White interception before the end of the half. I believe I mentioned that. Play. That was huge. That was uh, – I think I'm going to give the credit to John, though, either way. <laughs> John was most recent <laughs> to mention. That was huge in, in saying that. That's what she said. <laughs> and it, it was, it was, I believe, one of the, the turning points of the game because the Broncos could have potentially gone up 7-6 to six at the end of the half. The Bills don't get the ball back until the second half. Or, and it was just Tredavious White comes out. He, he intercepts the ball. Sure-handed. I thought he might run it back, to be honest. I was hoping <laughs> he did not. But it was a great play by Tredavious White, another all-around all great game by him. And it's it's exciting to see this, and I I, I think that could have easily— So, But then again, that was their really the Broncos' best chance to score all day, and they stopped them. So, you know, that was a three- or six-point swing, but it didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. The Bills looked— Great. I mean, offensively, like I mentioned before, Allen didn't have a statistically great game passing the ball, but running the ball, the Bills did great. The Bills were feeding Singletary early and often. I mean, we were watching the 
the commercials of you know the 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 Patriots Cowboys game, and they're always showing whenever they show Zeke, they always show him like you know feed me, feed me right after a play. He's like, and I'm just like, why can't Singletary do this? He needs to be fed the ball, and I don't think he should be fed as often as you know Ezekiel Elliott because they have a really good one-two punch with Frank Gore, which Frank Gore had a, had a great game as well. Um, John, big stat about Frank Gore today that you, you kept mentioning over and over again before he, before he actually met this career milestone and after he met it. And then he, did he, did he meet it and then not meet it because of the, <laughs> the minus run? Uh, no, I think he still had it. He, he had, had enough it. before then. He, okay. yeah, he passed Barry Sanders for third all time in rushing yards, which was great. There was a one play where he was about to get it and then he had a minus five yard rush. Like, no. <laughs> Almost, but Frank Gore had a great game today. The Bills run offense in general, especially, and I think you mentioned this, John, during the game when we were watching it together, was that Mitch Morris left the game, I believe, in the first or second quarter, and they were still able to look just as good. Maybe not just as good, but they looked great without him too. I mean, they, they ended up having a great game running the ball. I'm going to go into stats later, but yeah, man, I was, I was really happy with how the Bills did all around. Josh Allen didn't take too many hits. You know, I could have gone without a couple of those QB design runs. As always, I hate those, especially the runs that end up going three yards and get tackled. But, you know, overall, I, I was happy with – what you guys think of Josh Allen today? I thought he was just – I people are always worried about him becoming a game manager. I thought he was – he's definitely a step above game manager, and he's a step below complete gunslinger. You know, I thought he had just a very, a very smart, headsy, strategic, no – no big um, mistakes or anything like that. He just had a mistake-free game. What did you What you guys think? I, <laughs> no, I agree with you. I mean, I, I don't think he hit 200 passing yards, but he also had over 50 rushing yards. Um, you know, he, he contributed in a lot of ways um, between those two things, you know, hitting Beasley for the touchdown, hitting John Brown for the touchdown. I thought he had a good game. I agree with you guys about limiting the quarterback design runs, but on third down – when everyone's covered, it's such an asset for him to be able to use his legs to pick up the first down. Yeah. Like it's such a difference when you watch other teams, other quarterbacks that can't do that. Um, it's incredible for the third down efficiency. Oh, it's huge. Well, I, so my thing isn't I'm not against Josh Allen scrambling. I think when the play breaks down, I think he has great legs. It's just the designed runs, the ones where he's supposed to take a QB sweep for you know around the edge. Those are the ones I don't like because you're unnecessarily – you know, exposing your quarterback to extra collisions and hits. But I do, because if you go into any game, you realize that Allen's going to scramble at least four or five times on his own, right? Just because, like, there was that one amazing play where they were backed into their own, um, like, five-yard line or something, and, and Josh Allen avoided, like, three tacklers, right? Three defensive linemen that almost had him dead to rights at, like, the five-yard line. And he found a way to go around, and I think he ended up getting the first down mm-hmm. on a third down. Like, that's amazing. Like, those – I would never take those away from Josh Allen because he's going to be able to do those because because he has that ability. But I just don't want to give him plays necessarily where this is – you're going to run the ball automatically. Like, I like the RPO options where he has the ability to either take the ball down and run him himself if he sees what he likes – as opposed to, you're going to run the ball, and let's hope nothing bad happens to you. Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence about it, because you see him run for like 25 yards, and there's like he, he does the sweep, and there's no defender there at all. And then other times, it's a three-yard carry, and he gets pummeled. So, I, I mean, I, I'm looking at it from both sides, thinking, like, well, I don't want to see him get pummeled, but like he has the potential to really break it, too. Yeah. 
He does have that. You said the day was mistake free though. He did have that one pick, which right to the oh yeah. What was that? It's kind of on. You blame the camera guy or production team. Like I wish we could have seen that a little bit better because it it looked like it was thrown to the defender. I didn't didn't get a sense. Was it tipped? Was it? We didn't get a chance to go back and rewatch that. The receiver fall down. Right. I don't know. That's why. That's why I said it was a mistake free day because we never actually got to see the interception. <laughs> well, that's so I completely forgot about it. So yeah, that's what. What is so there was, there was not only an interception that we really didn't see again in instant replay, but then there was also an unnecessary roughness play after that that we didn't see either. And instead, the camera guy is focusing just purely on Josh Allen being upset that he threw a pick. I'm like, hey guy, let's see, let's see some instant replay on what the heck that play was. And, you know, that's the thing that, you know, unfortunately with the Bills not being as good for so many years that they they haven't been good and the Broncos being a 3-7 and seven team at the, at the moment or at the time they're playing, you're not going to get the A-list broadcasting team, right? But still, I mean, I thought that was, I guess I thought that was, when you don't get prime time, you just don't get the best. Like, that's just that's just the way it is. Like, most announcing crews aren't that good anyway. Like, True. most so, of the broadcast teams, like, nobody really cares for them, do, do we? No like, one does a great I kind of like Tony Romo, but, I mean, like, outside of that, like, they're all pretty awful, right? Yeah, they're all really bad for the most part. I mean, it's not it's not like the NFL doesn't make billions of dollars. I feel right? like we're it's conflating not... a lot of different skill sets or positions, right? Because, like, we're complaining about the, the TV people. True. And then we're talking True. about the announcers. Like, the announcers could have explained what happened, but... Yeah. So, all right. Well, we didn't get the best broadcast team, so maybe wall of shame later. We'll see. But uh, let's go into... Oh, yeah. I saw the defense in general. We mentioned how good they were, how stout they were against the Broncos. They gave up 134 like total yards. Total. That's wild. That's Especially when Denver's down and looking to pass, where conceivably they'd get big chunks mm-hmm. back at the end of the game. Yeah. Great game by the defense. I, I was, I was going to talk about... It. I was even just going to point out the fact that, you know, the Bills had a lot of sacks. Shaq Lawson had two sacks. Darla Tulele had a sack. And Oliver had a sack. I mean, this was this was a continuation of last week's, you know, pressure against the quarterback that they were showing against Ryan Fitzpatrick. But, yeah, just the overall defensive performance, Mike. That's a great point. 134 total yards, you said? Tredavious White with an interception. CBS did throw up that graphic. Uh, the Bills are leading the league. 15 different players have had a sack or more for the Bills this year. Nice. I think it just goes to show, what is that? So that's 11 starters have had a sack. Assuming that start, each starter yeah, start. had a sack, but yeah. In and theory, 11 starters and four of the backups. Four rotationals have <laughs> gotten sacks. It's impressive. It's not a bad thing. Um, cool. Bills are doing great. Wheels working a lot of pressure in the beginning of the season, the last two games. They've really stepped up. So let's go into stats of the game for today's win over the Broncos 23 stats of the game. Let's go into Josh Allen. Josh Allen for the Buffalo Bills, 15 for 25. 185 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Devin Singletary had 21 carries for 106 yards, five yards per carry. And that's his first 100-yard game. Yep, first 100-yard game of his career. Absolutely. 21 carries, by the way, the most carries he's ever gotten. And it was just, it's been one of those things that we've been discussing. Should he get more than so many carries? A lot of this has to do with the game flow and the fact that the Bills were up going late into the game, so they gave him more carries as opposed to if the game was probably closer. Dable would be calling more pass plays. And so, great game by Devin Singletary. They fed him the ball early and often, and uh, it paid dividends. The guy is just so good. He was. I was reading something in Pro Football Focus. If you're not following us on Twitter, please do. We're at CTWPod. That's at Circling the Wagons Pod. 
And I re- retweeted um, a post that John showed me where it was basically uh, John or Devin Singletary has like the most elusive rating or the third highest elusive rating of all the NFL and all running backs. So it's it's just something that you know he's carrying over from college from FAU. That was one of his highest. I think he had one of the highest um, elusive ratings from Pro Football Focus in college. So I mean, the guy's picking up exactly where he left off. So um, great game by Devin Singletary. Frank Gore, again, had a great game, 15 carries for 65 yards, 4.3 yards per carry. The guy was gashing him on the ground. Josh Allen, nine carries for 56 yards, 6.2 yards per carry. And then Robert Foster, I'll bring this one up just because he had one carry for 22 yards and just he limped off the field after that one play. It looked like he pulled a hamstring, it felt like, I don't know. That I, I saw that immediately. I thought, well, he's out for at least three weeks, so we'll see how that turns out. Hopefully it's nothing serious. But um, I think that was one of the major injuries besides Mitch Morris's finger injury that made him leave the game and uh, put, uh, was it John, John Feliciano at center? So receiving the ball, uh, Cole Beasley this week led the Bills in receiving yardage. He had six receptions for 76 yards, one touchdown on nine targets. So he had a great game. There was that one drop that he had that was just right in the hands which really crushed the Bills on that one drive. But um, great game overall by Cole Beasley. John Brown had one of his statistics, had his statistically lowest yardage game of the entire season, two receptions for 39 yards, but he did have that one 34-yard touchdown on four targets. So that was, so we always talk about um, Josh Allen completing the long ball and trying to make a pass over 30 air yards, and he absolutely did on that one play to John Brown. It was a 34-yard touchdown, and I mean, John Brown didn't, probably didn't even catch it until like five yards into the into the end zone. So you're talking about a 40-yard touchdown air yardage-wise, and just a great just a great catch by John Brown because I believe Josh Allen led him a little bit too much, but still, great catch by John Brown for the touchdown there. Um, great challenge by Sean McDermott for once to challenge that play and actually get that into a uh, to make that a touchdown score, which we all anyone watching the broadcast thought it was. So on the Broncos side of the ball, defensively or offensively, Brandon Allen was ten for twenty five, eighty two yards, zero touchdowns, and one interception. So I think it's safe to say we have the better Allen. Not that anyone was touting that, but Philip Lindsay rushing the ball, thirteen carries for fifty seven yards, zero touchdowns. Excuse me, four point four yards per carry. And then Royce Freeman only had two carries for 20 yards, um, 10 yards per carry, but only two carries. Cortland Sutton was the leading receiver for the Denver Broncos. And this kind of goes into what you were saying, Mike, about 134 yards of total offense. The leading receiver on the Denver Broncos had one reception for 27 yards. And this is, this is the most, this is, if you guys ever wonder if Tredavious White is good or not, Cortland Sutton, who he was shadowing all day, had one reception for 27 yards. On eight targets, that's one reception for on eight targets. Like that's how good Tre'Davious White was today. That's how much he blanketed him. So uh, we, Sutton catch was in zone coverage too. It wasn't even on Tre'Davious. Yeah, true. Good call. Good like call. Linebackers on bit even. on the play action. Mm-hmm. Like he had an awesome day. Yeah, Tre'Davious White. Tre'Davious White. Not going to get into Wall of Famers or Wall of Shamers just yet. But it was, it was he, had a, he had a great great. Great game today, and then not even worth going into the rest of the stats for the Denver Broncos just because there, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about statistically. 
So Allen, so just some other stats of the game, just general stats. Josh Allen, seven-game, two-touchdown streak, also marks the NFL's longest active streak. He had two touchdowns on the game between John Brown's 34-yard touchdown and Cole Beasley's touchdown pass. And yeah, the Bills are 8-3, and three, two games ahead of the next wildcard team, so this is, this is a good time. It's a good time to be a Bills fan. And we are going to take, with that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And after that, we're going to go into our plays of the game and our wall of famers and wall of shamers. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once in a lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome back to Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. This is our recap show, and I'm your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us on this Bills Victory Sunday. I'm here with my co-hosts, John and Mike. And as we mentioned earlier, last time we were here at the DraftKings Sportsbook here at DeLago, we interviewed Bruce Smith, Hall of Famer, all-time sack leader, first overall pick, uh, Buffalo Bills defensive end, Bruce Smith. And so, by the way, you should definitely listen to that interview if you haven't already. And um, last time we recorded here, we right after the game, we came up, we recorded an uninhabited uh, part of this lounge upstairs above the sports book. But this time we couldn't do that because the amazing John Cleese is in town. And uh, I don't know if you guys, are you guys familiar with John Cleese? Have you, you know his work? Are you familiar with John Cleese? Yes. Yes. <laughs> what do you know him from, John? How do you know him? Mon- Monty Python. Monty Python, the great Monty Python, right? Classic, my. I would. You know what? I should have asked if I could. Should I have asked if I could interview John Cleese for this podcast? I feel like he would have. I, I don't think he would have wanted to, <laughs> like Bruce Smith. But um, you know what? Do you know what? I think I would have asked him if I could have talked to John Cleese. Is that um, one of his most iconic roles was a role that people don't even necessarily know that he did. So obviously, you know, Monty Python, you think of Monty Python, you think of John Cleese, you think of a lot of different, you know, amazing actors from Monty Python. And um, his most iconic role in that movie was the Black Knight. Tis but a scratch. A scratch? 
Your arm's off. No, it isn't. Well, what's that then? Just a flesh wound. And you would never know it was him because he was obviously had a had a helmet on. It was just a flesh wound. <laughs> so I, I would have asked him what it would be like to play such an iconic role but have almost nobody know. To the fact that like you have to look at like IMDB trivia to realize who was the Black Knight in that movie. So anyway, really cool. So I'm we're okay getting bumped. If we're gonna get bumped out of the lounge for for John Cleese, and that's okay. So that's all right. So we're also going to um, discuss the John Bur- John Brown uh, jersey announcement um, that we. So last week we announced another winner, as we have the, like five weeks previous to that. Nobody ever stepped up. Last week we announced Adam Talmadge as the winner, and he messaged me like the Monday after the podcast and said, "Hey guys, thanks. You know, here's my address. You know, you guys can, you know, send it here." So just so everyone knows, somebody did. Somebody did uh, actually finally come up and you know recognize that they won the uh, the John Brown John Brown jersey. So we are going to do another announcement next week for another jersey. We appreciate everyone that's gone through the effort of writing a review, following us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or whatever, and um, leaving a review for us and all that stuff, and, and listening to the podcast because you have to listen. In order to win this. So I think what we're going to do this week is we're going to open up another um, announcement next week for another different type of jersey. I'm already working on different types of autographed jerseys or memorabilia and stuff like that. So we're going to have something for you guys. So everyone that didn't win this last um, time is going to be automatically put into the contest for this next week. And as always, you know, we'll take more contestants. You know, if you want to leave a review for us for on Apple Podcasts. You know, just you can do so for us at Buffalo Rumblings. Um, just search us there. Leave a leave a review for us. You have to say somewhere in the podcast description, the, the review description, that it's circling the wagons. It's for circling the wagons because some people just left a very generic review, like "Hey, this is great. L- love listening to you guys." Blah, blah blah. So I just didn't know if that was for us or just for the general podcast group. Because if it is, that's great. That's fine. Um, but if it's specifically for us, then I know that you are trying to enter the Jersey announcement contest. So um, I'm not 100% sure exactly what we're going to have next week, but we will have something for you guys next week. We'll announce it, and then we'll, we'll, we'll tweet it out, and we'll have all that information for you on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. We have our Sweet Sassy Molassie play of the game. Sweet Sassy Molassie, get out the checkbook and pay Grandma for the rubdown. And does somebody want to go first? Because I have, I have mine, but um, I know. Okay, okay. John, why don't you go first in this one? I think you have a good one. All right. My sweet sassy molassy play of the game is Josh Allen completing that long ball to John Brown. By 20. What is up? The second down and 13. Allen going deep, and he's got him. Touchdown. John Brown. What a catch. 34 yards. Hallelujah. good one it's a good one longest completion of the season for josh allen yeah he hadn't completed any like in that long range this whole year and he only completed a few last year i think and you know i think it's gonna help you know build his confidence a little bit i you know okay he only made one but like i think it's 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 gonna help it's he got one yeah exactly now you know maybe they can try it again and see what happens it's improvement which is all we're looking for 
week to week? Are you improving? Are you doing something better that you haven't done? Like, like for example, I mean, that was just a weird interception, but like he didn't throw any hero balls this week. Like he wasn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't take any unnecessary hits like he has in the past. No. Like the, these are all improvements. He's, he's been, been doing, a, I mean, heading into the game, he had 12 touchdowns to no interceptions mm-hmm. over the last X number of games. So, I mean, he has definitely been improving in that area. Absolutely. And you know what I liked about that Brown, John Brown touchdown is that it wasn't called a touchdown initially for whatever reason. That was such a dumb play for to, for them to not call that a touchdown. But the fact that McDermott challenged it and he won it too, that that just that's even that much better of a play of the game because McDermott never wins challenges historically. I want to say he's like 3 for 15 or something like that. It's it's not a good not a good ratio. So he, he called when he got it. He, it was the right call. Everyone was celebrating. The t- like John Brown had his coat on before they even, he's sitting on the bench before they even finished, you know, the, overturning the, the play on the field. So, um, that, that was a, that was a really good play of the game. Regarding those overturns, like, I feel essentially you found to not be an error, right? If you're the coach and you throw the fly, blah, blah, blah. Shouldn't you get that challenge back? Like, even if you're correct, you're still penalized to some degree by losing that optionality later in the game. Yeah, you should, you should, you should not lose a timeout and you should be able to keep that challenge. Because didn't you used to be able to? Was that new, different? Or like, or was it like if you got two right, then you could get a third one or something? Oh, like maybe that? that was it. If you had two right, yeah. It yeah. Should just be, it should, if you get it right, you keep it. That makes sense to me. If you fix the errors of the officiating on the field, you should absolutely be able to keep the challenge <laughs> that you had. You know, with if it was wrong, it was wrong. So you're fixing their errors. So you know they had chance to fix it. They could have talked in the end zone and said, hey, "Actually, I think it is a touchdown. Let's call it a touchdown." They could have conferred on the sidelines, but they didn't. They just called it an incomplete pass. So yeah, that was a good play of the game. Mike, what about you? Who's your sweet sassy molassy play of the game? I think it's got to be the Tredavious White interception to end the first half because if he doesn't make that pick conceivably, the Bills go into halftime down 7-6 or maybe they hold Denver to just a field goal there. But it's a lot different game, I think, if he doesn't make that play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was kind of like the turning point of the game. Um, my my play is kind of an under-the-radar under play. It is that um, hard count. And the off to get offsides late in the fourth quarter, where you know, Josh, that actually worked. Isn't that crazy? That actually, what a I I. This is completely joking, by the way. I I get the idea that a hard. It's funny because we we were talking about this. We're watching the game, and we're like, why do they keep trying to do the hard count? This is the stupidest thing ever. It never works. And what do you know? It actually works. And you're just like, well, now I sound stupid <laughs> saying that and being upset and just saying that. You know, it's such an archaic way of thinking when really it finally worked. But no, mine actually isn't the hard count, although that actually did work. Um, credit to Josh Allen for selling it. But um, I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go John Brown touchdown also, John, just because I, I agree. I think there, there's just multiple things going in that. But I mean, the Trey White interception was, was huge. If that, if that happens, maybe the Bills win by just a little bit less, but, um, Brown touchdown was, was huge. <laughs> Huge loss. I mean, Shaq Lawson, we can't talk about, like, we can't not talk about the Shaq Lawson sacks today. And he did have two sacks, and they were huge. They were both on third down. They were both huge um, to end the drive for 
the Denver Broncos both times. But I will say with a caveat of that, not to take anything away from Chad Lawson, but both times he was completely unblocked. <laughs> so he did a great job. The guy is amazing as a defensive end, as the ability to sack the quarterback, as long as there's nobody in front of him and he does not have to be blocked. So we'll see about that. But the guy did have a, have a, have a good game doing that. He was dependable when it mattered. So let's go into our Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers for today's game, our Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers, brought to you by the Del Lago Casino and Resort. As we mentioned earlier, we're here hanging out. We're going to do this maybe once, once more in uh, – the regular season before the playoffs, hopefully before the playoffs that the Bills are going to be a part of. We'll see. John, John, you mentioned before before we even started recording, like you texted us, I want to say two days ago, and we're like, the Bills have the most to lose by this upcoming game. I mean, this is the most pivotal game for any team, besides maybe the Colts, I want to say. And you, and you showed us this graph. I'm not sure where that graph came from, but it listed like all 32 teams and the importance of, of week, what is it, week 12? The week 12 matchup and how it how it changed their playoff odds. So if the Bills lost today, their playoff odds odds would have gone from like 71% to like 38%, right? You have it you have it up there. Yeah, so a lot would, I forget where I got the graph as well, but a lot depended on, you know, not just how the Bills did, but like teams like the Raiders as well. But so like going into this week, the probability of the Bills making the playoffs was like 67% or something like that. If everything went the Bills' way after today, it could be as high as 90% or as low as 45%. If they if, lost. If they lost and Oakland wins and whatever. Uh, so I, you know, it's a good thing they won, right? Yep, yep. The Raiders lost today. They got destroyed by the Jets. The Colts lost on Thursday night against the Texans, which was huge. Another reason why we have a two-game lead against the wild card. The Steelers did end up winning this week, but I'm not too worried about them because the Bills play them in a few weeks. So that might end up, uh, you know, going the Bills' favor also. So, yeah, lots of lots of things, lots of encouraging things for today's game. So Wall of Famers and Wall of Shamers. The playoff odds now are 81% for the Bills. Are they 81%? Okay. Good. Thank you for – that's good. That's huge. Nice. So Wall of Famers for today's game. Wall Let's go into our Wall of Famers first. Our Wall of Famers brought to you by Del Lago Casino and Resort. Um, John, who's your Wall of Famer for today's game? So I was going to go with Tredavious White, but I gave it a little bit more thought. And I, I, I'm going to actually give it to the offensive line, particularly mm-hmm. the, the run blocking. Um, Singletary, 21 of 106. Five yards per carry. Frank Gore, 15 of 68, 4.3 yards per carry. They just kept smashing it in the middle middle of the line, and they just kept, you know, the, the you know when Singletary would get, it looked like he got stopped, the line would keep pushing him. He'd get another five yards. Oh, yeah. That it happened several few. times, yeah. And then Josh Allen tacked on another nine carries for 56 yards, some of them designed runs. Uh, I think the offensive line did a really good job, and Mitch Morse was out for a significant part of the game as well. Yeah. Great job by the offensive line. Going against a very, very good, at least from what I've read, defensive line from the Denver Broncos. So that's a really good one, John. The run game definitely helped. See, that just goes to show you, you know, you don't have to win by passing the ball 41 times. You know, the Bills could have had a similar game plan against the Browns, I think, and succeeded just over time. You know, you continue to run the ball and things just go in your favor instead of trying to force the ball 
against against the Denver Broncos, who have a very good cornerback in Chris Harris Jr. and then a very good safety tandem. It's like let's not test these guys. Let's test the linebacking core and the defensive line. So, Mike, who do you have as your Wall of Famer for today's game? It's Tre'Davious White, no question. <clears throat> he didn't give up a catch today. There's there was Revis Island. It's time for White Island, isn't it? Well, that's not right. Tre'Davious. Tre'Davious. Trace. Trey Island. Yeah. We'll think of it. We'll think of something. Who who would be on this White Island that you discuss besides Trey or just Tre'Davious White because he's on an island? Well, he's. I mean, Revis for would you say ten years? Oh, yeah. Had the the moniker or the or carried the crown of the best corner in the NFL. Um, I think now Tredavious, who's better than Tredavious White week to week? You know, we had this conversation just just in general before the, the actual game we're talking, and I'm like, if you could extend one out of, the, out of the following two people, and this was during the game because they were both having a good game. Matt Milano had a really good game. I can't not mention him, but um, Tredavious White obviously had a great game. It's like if you had to just re-sign one and you couldn't get the other, which one would you do? And I want to say unanimously, and I think it was unanimously, we'd all say Tredavious White only because he's having that shutdown corner in his prime is just, it's huge. It's huge for a defense, and you can see what it did defensively for the Bills today in limiting the the Broncos' number one wide receiver today. And like you mentioned, Mike, the only catch that Cortland Sutton had was in zone coverage. So, And it wasn't even like Brandon Allen was playing terribly today. I mean, he, really, he was putting the ball in very catchable situations. The Bills were just that good at defending them, I feel. Plus, you have to factor in who, who else they have on the team, right? So if they lost Milano, they still have Tremaine Edmonds. If they lost Tredavious White, obviously they still have talent at corner, but I think you, you know there's more more to lose there. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. John, you remember when we used to play Thanksgiving football and you were just like locked down? You were a lockdown cornerback for several years. Maybe that was a good day. <laughs> <laughs> so every every year, all three of us and, and some other some other high school friends of ours, we play tackle football in either a high school, you know, soccer field or football field or whatever. And and there was a few years, John, you were P ninety Xing like a crazy like a madman. And you were just there was I couldn't catch a ball on you. And there was what we we didn't call you uh, we didn't call you John we didn't use your last name but John Island it was like John uh, <laughs> it wasn't an island what's a group of islands called archipelago archipelago no, John archipelago <laughs> or whatever maybe like a golf or something John golf I don't know something that wasn't quite an island but you know almost there almost there so archipelago uh, so um, my wall of famer for today I just has to go to Tredavious White I know he. Um, I didn't use him for the Swiss Assy Molassi play of the game, but he's just, I mean, without, without him, um, you know, I, I just, it's, this team looks so much different. I love the moniker Trey saved the day white. And he did at the end of the first half, even though the bills, even though the bills couldn't do anything with the ball after the first half, we can't go a whole podcast without discussing that. So, um, before we go into the wall of shamer for today's game, you guys, you guys remember the end of the first half sequence of events? It was the Bills getting to their own 40-yard line. There was, I mean, less than a minute left to go. And then all of a sudden, they were taking timeouts. They were getting, they were almost getting delay of games. They were, it was just, it was just a sad situation. And you were thinking, hopefully, that they'd get, at least get a field goal. And then they end up running the ball with 10 seconds left. And you're just like, what are you doing here? Like, what, what are you trying to do? Like, you have this quarterback that can throw the ball 80 yards 
in the air without like with just a flick of his wrist. Yet they didn't even try for a Hail Mary pass. It was just it was just a very weird sequence of events. Who do you put the blame on for the end of the first half? Was that Josh Allen? Was it Brian Dable? Was it head coaching? Because I want to say I think it was I don't want to put the blame on Josh Allen. I want to say it was more of a Brian Dable. I mean it was there were some penalties, but just not his awareness of the the clock and what to do in which situation and I don't know I wasn't really happy with that that sequence I think I think if I were to to, to say the the most negative part of today's game and it didn't even matter in the long run I mean it could have if they needed that three points or touchdown or whatever but if I have to get picky and critical of the team I'd say that that was my least favorite part of today's game what do you, what did you guys think I think it's very sloppy and just kind of disheartening to see that sequence play out and it, in the final analysis it didn't matter but at that point in the game I think it was very important. Yeah, the Bills were only up by six at that point. Another three points is it's it's a two point game or it's a two two score game at that point. Yeah, agree hundred <laughs> percent. Dable and McDermott. Dable and McDermott, yeah. It's hard to tell who who but was even mistake after mistake after mistake, they still had a chance to um was it when the clock was ticking down, Allen tried to call a timeout, and it looked like I thought fortunately he did not get the timeout, so preserved one, yeah. right? And they had the delay of game, moved them back, and they still had a chance to use the entire field and try in a twenty-yard pass to get into field goal range. Mm-hmm. It's like you still had that option, and they chose it, to. I, I think it's both of them. I mean, the, the play calling was bad, so that's on table, and the the play management, clock management was bad, and that's on McDermott. So mm-hmm. it was both of them. And partly Allen to get this team to hike the ball when it had to. So, so Mike, you brought up a good point while we were watching the game. You're saying, well, you know, at the end of the first half, if if the Bills end up do taking that five yard penalty for a delay of game, they still have what two timeouts or was it one timeout? One timeout. They still have that one timeout left. And instead of it being, let's see, I'm looking at the play sheet. Instead of it being first and ten, now it's first and fifteen. So in order, and they needed to get to what, like the 40 yard line of the other. So instead of it being, you know, a 15 yard pass with no timeouts, it would have been a 20 yard pass with one timeout, right? So it just, it just lends you to the ability. Cause now with no timeouts and you needing to get 15 yards to get to the first down or whatever, you have to throw it out of bounds. There's no way you're throwing a, a ball in the middle of the field. A guy's running after the catch, he gets tackled and you're running up to the line to spike it. There's absolutely no chance that that's going to happen. So. I agree. I, I would have preferred them to take the delay of game, to be quite honest. And I think that just comes with more experience and just, you know, Allen was too afraid to, to get a delay of game, which I don't blame him. Well, but I mean, that, that's ultimately what happened. He, he tried to get the timeout, didn't get it. So they got the delay of game penalty. Then they had the one timeout remaining and just ran the ball. Oh, I didn't think they had the Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Sorry. They, okay. Mistake, 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 and they still had one chance. And they still didn't throw do it. And they didn't do it. Yeah. So um, I'm sorry. So the 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 the, re, the yeah the game during the game they showed them with the, them taking the timeout and not. Mm-hmm. But then you know they gave it. Okay. So I do remember seeing the timeout given back. Like Zalen, Allen made the timeout signal. CBS indicated that they had taken the timeout, but then they put it back up. Yes. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah, why why wouldn't you at that point? Just take a shot towards the sidelines on one side or whatever. Because you have the timeout, you still have the whole field. Yeah. I think there was like 13, 14 seconds. So inst- you only need one second left to take that timeout. So instead, at the Buffalo 46, or at the Buffalo 41, they did a, they called a, they called a shotgun draw play mm-hmm. <laughs> instead. So 
whatever that that left a lot to me. But I mean, we're we're getting picky and critical, but still, that was a poor. I think a lot of people were really upset when they saw oh, that. It's got to you know. be really frustrating. I mean, geez, especially if you're there watching it. If you're there watching yeah. it. Oh yeah, we've we've been there for that. That's not because it didn't hurt them today, but it, playing a better team, that's a possession you won't have the benefit of, which could be huge. Mm-hmm. Imagine imagine if you score three points there and you get the ball back in the second half. That's huge. Whereas, okay, now we really should probably score in the second half with, when we get the ball back. We'll see. And luckily they did, and it didn't end up mattering. But at the time, it did matter. It was, it was the biggest, it was the biggest, most important part of the game for that point. So, um, wall of shamer for today's game. Shame. 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 Do you guys have a... Have a wall of shame. I mean, can I'm, is it going to go with that play? That play, that sure. that that first end of first half play calling goes on your wall of shame. I think it's going to be pretty unanimous, right, Mike, John, me? Yes, I agree, hundred percent. That was it was really disheartening, but you know, for once, it was great because that was the only thing. There wasn't we weren't questioning a whole lot in today's victory, and uh, ended up not really mattering in the grand scheme of things. So let's go to Twitter, where every week I post after the game. I said, who who's your wall of famer and wall of shamer? Again, if you're not following us, please do. It's at CTW Pod, Circling Wagons Pod. And if you have a decent wall of famer or wall of shamer, I will, you know, let you know. I, I will read it on each episode. And we're getting a lot of repeat tweeters, so it's good that you guys are paying attention. You guys are f- reaching out to us. Um, Jeffrey Waddy writes, uh, Wall of Fame, Matt Milano and Tredavious White. Both, both had great games today. Absolutely. Agree 100%. Wall of Shame, McDor- McDermott for poor clock management. Wasted timeouts and Dable for being himself. <laughs> Pretty sure he's exhibit A of why this offense can't get out of its own way. Got to draw up something different in the red zone and put these games away earlier. I I don't necessarily agree with that last part. I think they they I, he. I mean, you're just not going to get a touchdown every time that you're in the red zone, and they definitely need to draw something up. But I mean, in the beginning of the season, like they had one of the up until I think last week, they had the highest uh, red zone percentage for touchdowns. So. As much as I want to criticize Dable for that, I mean, I think it was just it was just a good defense that they faced. So um, I think he's getting better week to week, starting to finally feed Singletary. It's bleeding into all facets of the game. They're doing the play action. Like I could agree with criticizing him in weeks past, but geez, trending in the right direction at the right time for sure. Minus that last you know the first half, it oh, was that was terrible. <laughs> it was garbage. He was he's up in the booth still, I think, too. So that's uh, still growing the mustache. Still growing the mustache. <laughs> Still trying to improve on himself. See, we always talk about Josh Allen improving. We we don't we never talk about, you know, Brian Dable, and maybe he's also improving week to week too. You know, and we always we never think about coaches improving necessarily. We just kind of talk about them being good or bad. Like it's kind of like a static. Like you're either good or a bad coach. But like maybe he's learning. Like you said, maybe he's figuring things out. And he's trying different things, and he's trending in the right direction. Is it an engineering thing, Kaizen? Kaizen, Kaizen, I think is like a sigma six sigma thing. Okay. That has like to constant do with improvement. Right? Constant improvement, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Six Sigma, yeah. Um, I don't know what all of that means. But, yeah, they, <laughs> they would hold Kaizans. Like, I remember, so my first job right at college had to do with manufacturing, and they would hold Kaizans for, like, um, you know, uh, removal of factory equipment and putting it back in. Like, how do we, how do we analyze this one portion of daily process uh, improvements? Pro- yes, process improvements. Have you ever done a Kaizan? John, have you ever been a part it's of It's a one? Japanese term originally. Yes. Well, not originally, but originated in Japan. Mm-hmm. Japanese term. I think it was Toyota manufacturing, to be mm-hmm. specific. They they were the first to, I believe, standardize in manufacturing Six Sigma. Yeah, they, they don't call it the same thing where I'm at, but they, they definitely push it. What do they call it? 
Improving. <laughs> yeah, like, like every every company's got a different name for it. So. Oh, we don't at my company. We just we just <laughs> fly by just, the cedar pants. Just try harder and don't screw up for less money. For less money. <laughs> for the same amount. Oh, and by the way, we're gonna need you to come in on Sunday. Um, I'm gonna need you to go ahead and come in tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Devin Brown writes Wall of Fame for Shaq Lawson and his two sacks, and Tredavious White for taking Sutton out of the game and getting a pick. Wall of Shame uh, for the penalties, I guess. Hard to single out one guy after a great team performance like that. Agreed. It was really hard for us, obviously, to come up with a Wall of Shamer. So Adam Talmadge, Adam Talmadge is in, the the winner of the John Brown signed jersey, which luckily, I don't know if I told you guys this, he's actually located in the same general area as me, so I don't have to pay for posters. I can just drop it off at his... Uh, on his back porch, maybe maybe see if the back porch is open. Maybe go in and have a beer, you know. Turn on Netflix, Netflix, and chill on his couch. I don't know. We'll see. They hang out there, so uh, so we'll find out if you like maybe it. Maybe Disney Plus. Oh, ooh, Disney Plus and chill. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Did I, I, never mind. <laughs> it's called Disney Plus and Thrust. <laughs> you hear that one? No. Uh, that won't be happening no matter what, Adam, but I might try to see if you have any cold beers. Um, <laughs> anyway, Wall of Famer, he writes, a running game, 244 total yards. Motor Motor Singletary, first 100-yard game, and Frank Gore, the third all-time. He, he has the GOAT. He has a GOAT emoji, which, you know, it's very applicable here. Wall of Shame, he has his discipline. Too many penalties that could be costly against superior opponents and clock management. That's fair. The, the Bills do continue to get penalties on. I remember several on kickoff returns, block in the back and stuff like that. And it was it seemed to always be Lorenzo Alexander. He kept explaining to the coach, no, man, I didn't do that. But it was like, ah, I think you did. So it was just, it was, it, luckily it didn't count. It didn't matter. But yeah, the, the penalties are, are, are killer. Um, absolutely brutal when combined with, with Adam writes absolutely brutal when combined with penalties. He's talking about penalties and clock management. And he said, when will Sean learn and figure this out? Um, fair enough. I don't have the statistics on Bill's penalties, but I felt like today, for the most part, wasn't too damning like it has been. Like there have been certain games where the Bills would be in a situation where they, they were on third and long and they got a first down, but it's brought back by a penalty, right? Like that didn't seem to happen today. Bills had 12 penalties for 90 yards. Okay, so it was a really bad day for penalties. Compared to seven penalties and 70 yards. For the, the Broncos. Broncos. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, luckily it didn't end up mattering. But, I mean, you know, th- those are the kind of games that you can't have against a team like that's coming up like the Baltimore Ravens or like the New England Patriots and expect to win. Like, if you're not absolutely more talented than them, then you have to play a more flawless game, in my opinion. Jason Statham, our friend from the U.K., is in. My name is Jeff Chelios, and today is the day that I die. Wall of Fame, Singletary was awesome, just the kind of game he needed. Wall of Shame is discipline. Too many penalties need to be smarter. So definitely a common theme with uh, the Twitter thread. Overall, can't complain too much. Dominate both sides of the, frawl, of the ball and Frank the Tank. Passing Barry Sanders for rushing yards is special too. Dave Thorpe writes, "Awesome game, awesome total game." Um, wall of, I'm going to go in right into his Wall of Fame. Wall of Fame, um, 
tied between Tredavious White interception and the brawl and the Brown touchdown, which I agree 100% that was both of ours. Um, wall of shame, trash talking Bronco fans, disrespecting the Bills all week. You're three and eight folks. Suck it. <laughs> There was a lot of trash talking with Broncos fans over Twitter. Like there was one of our followers um, was tweeting at us and saying, "Hey, like the the I live in the Denver area, and these guys are saying that the the Broncos are going to win twenty four to nothing because the Bills have beaten nobody of of significance this season, so they can easily get run over. Philip Lindsay is going to have over a hundred yards, and they're just going to destroy the Bills. Well, obviously that didn't happen. Those people clearly don't watch Bills games." And I don't watch Broncos games, but I also don't claim that the Bills are going to destroy them. So, yeah, lots of lots of Broncos fans on Twitter. So, so that's kind of funny to see the back and forth. Um, let's go Buffalo. Mike J. Zink tweets in, Wall of Fame, all three phases of the Buffalo Bills squad. I see no shame on Sunday. Go Bills. Beanie writes, uh, Wall of Fame has to be Matt Milano. Heard his name on every play. Matt Milano is flying all over the field. The guy always seems to be in the right spot. I love Matt Milano. I've... Before Tremaine Edmonds got here, and even since Tremaine Edmonds got here, easily my favorite linebacker, like the last 10 years. A wall of shame is the penalties. Somebody joked it looked like the Bills under Rex Ryan. <laughs> Tighten it up, and it would have been an even bigger beatdown for sure. Um, and then she also writes, I will I will add this. Side note, this was the first game I've been to, I've been able to attend this season, and it felt different. In my 22 years, it's never felt this optimistic. It's the best record we've had since I've been alive. And I'm no longer looking to just make the playoffs. I'm looking for us to make a run. And that's that's something that we kind of, and, and I appreciate you writing that, Beanie. Um, that's one of those things that we kind of talk about in general is, you know, if the Bills slide in as a 9-7 and or 10-6 and team, all that matters is when you're in there, what you do with it. Because the Bills, as far as I'm concerned, have the ability to beat almost every team in the AFC on the right day. Right? Would you rel- would you definitely look at the Patriots and say there's no way they win that game? Like no, right? So all you need to do is get in, and then we'll just see where the chips land, and they could make a run. Now the NFC looks. I will say the NFC looks very good. <laughs> the NFC looks unbeatable compared to the AFC. But I mean, just getting to the big game is one thing. Dave writes at Go Bills UK Wall of Fame. Matt Milano was a beast today, as was Tre'Davious White. The O line deserves a mention as it was serious. Worry, uh, it was serious worry pregame, but it performed exceptionally well. So the wall of shame was the rest for trying to, trying to cock smokes TD, uh, an incomplete, trying to t- cock Kate, C-A-L-K, trying to call, sorry, that was a, uh, trying to call smokes TD and incomplete. That's, that's a, it's, there's no spell, there's no autocorrect in Twitter, so it's not, it's not our fault, guys. Uh, player of the game was Tredavious White's interception. Absolutely good call there, Dave. Um, Ben Zernecki writes Wall of Fame, Cody Ford. That, how, oh, that's a good one. We did not discuss that. Ben has a good one. Only one penalty for Ford, and he kept Miller out of the Bills' backfield. That was something that we were really worried about going into today's game. With Ty Insecki out for sure, I don't know how long he's going to be out. We're not 100% sure at this point, but he's got that ankle injury. So we knew Cody Ford was going to be going against Von Miller, easily one of the best, um, outside linebackers, defensive ends of the NFL and we're like Cody Ford easily gets beaten with speed. How is he going to contain him? He did. I, I agree hundred percent with Ben. I think he did a great day today or he, I thought he had a great day today against Von Miller and it, it has to be noted. And I mean, we didn't even mention that earlier, but we mentioned the wall or the offensive line having a good game run blocking. 
Well, a lot of credit has to go for the pass blocking, Cody Ford. So, so good call there, Ben. Appreciate that. Overall, he said uh, pretty good job. Well, Shane Trent Murphy, to me, he doesn't seem like he's playing 100%. Man, is it just me? Or does Trent Murphy look like he's always almost about to get a sack? <laughs> then he just he just lets the guy go. He just can never seem to fully complete it. He's he's always about to, and then nine times out of the ten, the guy just you know misses. He's he just tries to arm tackle the guy barely, and he misses him. But yeah, I I would agree with Ben on this one. I'm not sure. I'm going to do a poll on Twitter where I talk about three of the most unpopular Bills um, players and how much it will cost to get rid of them at the end of the season and which one Bills fans are going to release. And I think I'm going to put Trent Murphy on that. I think I'm also going to put Trent Murphy. I think I'm going to put Starlet Tulele and a couple of other people and see which one Bills fans uh, wouldn't mind releasing after this year, depending on their cap head. Amy writes in, she says, Wall of Fame Matt Milano, he was everywhere. The receiving group is on her Wall of Fame. Touchdowns by Beasley and Brown. Nice play by Foster before getting hurt. Gordon Singletary, third all-time for Gore, and 100-plus yards for Singletary. Tredavious White, one interception. Almost. That's a lot on your wall of fame. Amy's filling up her whole stadium, her whole new era field <laughs> wall of fame. It's not just one. She's got a, she's got a bunch. That's too many. That's too ma- is it too many? Mm-hmm. How many? How many? One? Is one good enough or like three? Three? Honorable mention? She gave an honorable mention. She gave a, what, a hat tip? Uh, head nod, <laughs> a wink. She, she got. She had a I'm okay with giving it to a lot of people. Yeah, on a victory. It just, yeah, it's a team game, right? Nah, I guess. Usually, though, I mean, you're like, oh, the offense. Oh, I like the quarterback. I like the receiver. I like the blocking. I like the running. Like yeah, it was all good. I mean, it, the whole point is to highlight excellence. Yeah, they were excellent across the board. <laughs> so you're just giving the trophy to everyone that participates. Everyone that did good. Can I just and give, that was everyone. Can I just well. give the Buffalo Bills? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, <laughs> semantics. Can I just give the whole Buffalo Bills organization the Wall of Fame? <laughs> yeah, let's give Brendan Bean a trophy too. Can I? I want to give the fans in Western New York, everyone that lives, even if you're not a Bills fan, just because you live in Western New York, the Wall of Fame. Right? That's not weird. Twelfth no, man. Twelfth man. It's all of us. Yeah. So she. Yeah, else, we should. Yeah, we should get it too. Yeah, we should just for being us. Yeah. Yeah. Good for us. Maybe not Mike. Not Mike. But two-thirds of us. Maybe one person. <laughs> All right, then me. <laughs> Nate, the wall of fame. Uh, wall of shame, she writes, goes to Lorenzo Alexander. Two penalties. Good call there on the penalties. Um, always backing the bills up after uh, receiving. So I think we're going to – okay, okay, okay. I'm going to give one more. One more to Jose Herrera right here. Wall of fame, Singletary and Tredavious White, and wall of shame, team penalties. Special mention to Cody Ford. He had um, – Von Miller only had two tackles and only one sack. Josh, we're in one, the one sack that he had, Josh, took way too long. So good call there. Thank you for everyone. You for, I mean, you'd forget Von Miller was on the team today. He didn't hear his name called at all. And we were t- I mean, talking to Bruce Smith, he, he said, oh, who would you compare yourself to? Oh, Von Miller. You know what I mean? Like, it, that's something. Absolutely. If you were to shut down Bruce Smith on any game, you'd have been like, that's a really good game. So shutting down Von Miller. Yeah, that's right. Good call. Bruce Smith did liken himself to some of the best pass rushers by far in the NFL, including Von Miller. Bruce. <laughs> and again, you should check out that interview that we did last time we were here at Del Lago. Bruce Smith interview. Just search for it. Bruce Smith Buffalo Rumblings on any of your uh, podcast services. 
and uh, you'll be able to listen to that. It's really good. It's only it's only like 15, 20 minutes. So like we give you guys like it's just like a ten or fifteen I, minute interview. I feel a little bit like you did him did him dirty there. Like oh, he likened himself to these. But you explicitly asked him, hey. Who do you like in the NFL right now? Who do, who do you who reminds you of you? Who's I mean yeah. he he is the all time sack leader. He's, he's not. <laughs> I didn't do him. Humi- I didn't do him the way dirty. you just described it. The way you just described it, like oh he likened himself to Von. You explicitly said Bruce. Who do you think? Who would you compare yourself to? So I don't know if I've ever talked in my entire life to somebody who's ever been as good at what they've done in their entire life compared to Bruce Smith. Like, Bruce Smith is by far the best. So if anything, he should have been like, when I asked him that question, he should have been like, nobody mm-hmm. reminds me of myself because none of them are going to be the all-time sack leader. So, not, but yeah, I, I, he did like, so he didn't like it himself. I did ask him the question. Who do you okay. think you're Yeah. Who do you think you're And he gives like four or five names. You'll have to listen to the interview to, get, to hear them all. But there, He's no. just being humble. Nobody compares to Bruce Smith. Well, I, I made the mistake when I asked him the first question, like, what? why were you... The way that you were, and I list off like ten things. Was it this? Was it that? Was it that? And he's like all of them. And I made the mistake when I'm interviewing to be like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I think it like because normally we talk like anytime we try to do something like overly confident or cocky, like it's a complete <laughs> joke. Like we need to give ourselves credit for today's Bills win. Like it's completely a joke. But with him, it's actually true. So I'm not used to people being as good as whatever they are in life compared to how how good Bruce Smith was. And what he did. But no, it was cool. We also talk about like the behind the scenes thing as far as like his his experience just in talking with us off the record and stuff like that. He's just a cool guy. Just a cool guy all around. Want to thank the people at uh, Delago, um, the mar- nice marketing folks here at Delago that um, set this all up and uh, allowed us to come here and just record our podcast, meet a few fans and and uh, discuss the game and watch it all together, man. It was a, it was a good time. It's a great place to be. We play some bets. How do we do on our Bills bets? Today, guys, we went to the betting kiosk. Man, the betting kiosk was crazy busy. We had to be there like 30 minutes ahead of time to make sure that we were going to get in before the 1 o'clock games. So what was it, What was the final spread in the Bills game? Was it four? I think it was three and a half. Was it three and a half? Either way, we bet the over on it. But, but we, we took the Bills to win. We took the Bills to win on the over. Or I can't remember. I think over implies like the, the point total. Oh, okay, okay. Right? So we're so just over. like – we had the Bills with the win. Bills with the win. Okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. So that's what we had, and uh, we were never in doubt the whole entire game, really, which was lucky. Besides the first half. <laughs> it, was, it was a good win for us. Hey, you know, come here. You I think you're short selling it. The best thing about Del Lago is you don't have to interact with people <laughs> if you don't want to. The The lack of human interaction I find fantastic. <laughs> to place your bet. Yeah, yeah. To place your bet. Like, Waitresses are awesome. Customer service, like everybody's great. The mm-hmm. other fans that you're cheering, you're high fiving. Awesome, great place. Like the sports book, awesome place to watch a game. But if you're like, hey, I wonder what the odds are of this, or what if I, I, I'm most confident about the Bills, and I also want to parlay that with Green Bay. Whatever, you can just walk up to a kiosk and play around yourself. <clears throat> yeah, like other things we've done in the past, right? Like going to like a horse track, you'd actually have to. And how often will we go? Once a year, maybe, mm-hmm. right? Just something to do. And it's more intimidating because you have to actually, there's an actual process. You have to know what the hell you're talking about. Yep. You have to g- talk to a human, mm-hmm. right? Like you, st- three steps forward. Oh, I like race two, horse six in the purple. <laughs> I want him to show. Yeah. I, like $2, ma'am. Mm-hmm. And if you don't say it exactly right, it's like, man, you're yeah. wrong. Yeah. Out of line. 
no soup for you. No soup for you. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. back in line. Yeah. Like, so this is like you just walk. It's like you're it's playing on your phone. Yeah. yeah. It's great. It's nice. It's, I, I, I also try to avoid human interaction whenever possible. Especially because people are like, like the horse track. I know where you're talking, Mike. And um, if you don't know exactly what you want, they're like, oh. Like, hey, I'm sorry, man. This isn't what I do every day of the week, all right? You know, this is like my free time. <laughs> it's like, oh, sorry, you know, I don't – in any walk of life – I hate when people gatekeep like that, right? Like they're better than you just because like that little facet. <laughs> Which you could easily pick up in like a couple of days if you did it all for hours, like eight hours. Right? Yeah, yeah, hours, yeah. You Wouldn't shift. <laughs> You'd be an expert. Yeah. yeah. It was just like when we used to order garbage plates and you didn't know exactly what you wanted to be like, nope, next. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> You learn though. You order enough garbage plates, you become a pro. But, but I think the older you get, the more you can appreciate. It. It's like you're not the idiot. Like people try to make you up. Yeah. It's like you're entering their world. Yeah. Like they don't understand that. It's all perspective. It's like they're not coming into your work and filling out your yeah. TPS report, right? They would. Have, they'd be completely lost. They'd be completely they no idea. They wouldn't. Yeah. Would you make them feel like shit? Wouldn't no, know. you probably wouldn't. You're no. a decent person. I'm a decent person. They're the assholes. They're the ones. <laughs> Just, you know, yeah, I don't do that. I'm like very, I'm very helpful to interns and newer people. A little too much, actually. But yeah, <laughs> that sounds weird. No, I'm not too much. <laughs> so yeah, agree. It was nice. Maybe, it was, maybe a better example would be like a summer job. Like you had a lot of summer jobs. Like you go on the summer job, people, like your first day, they're like, oh, you idiot. You don't know how to, like, do you remember any summer jobs? Oh, yeah. Construction, like, yeah. Construction, right? Construction. You show up construction the first day. Like, oh, grab this tool and th- do this. And like, guy, it's my first day. <laughs> yeah. And you're the FNG, you know? <laughs> you know yeah. Like, uh, FNG, the bleeping new guy. <laughs> FNG. I remember I had to pull wire through conduit that was like four-inch conduit or six-inch conduit or whatever. And You've uh, already lost me. I don't even know. D- what exactly. So, I d- so anyway, you had to pull. You had to pull rope, basically, right? To pull this rope that was like really thick. But they weren't like, hey, go get your gloves from your toolbox. They're just like, just pull it. <laughs> We're all trying to pull this rope and pull this wire to get through. So, like, I completely, like, wore out the skin on the inside shredded. of my hand, shredded oh. it. Yeah, yeah. If they had just been like, yeah, just use your gloves. Like, we'll just wait a minute for you to go get your gloves. They're like, nah, screw this kid. Well, it does sound like common sense you would wear gloves for something yeah. like that. Oh, well, like you that. know what? No, no, it wasn't. It was not common sense. <laughs> it was not, okay? Sometimes you need a little bit of uh, guidance for obvious things like that. But I remember one summer job I was <laughs> applying to. <clears throat> Not even applying. It was just like, oh, show up for your interview. Like like day labor, like landscape, you know, like mm-hmm. just like working outside. I'm like showing up for an interview. So like you put a suit on, right? Like typically <laughs> and you show up and they're like, what are you? Did you show you? up? Did you show up for that yeah, day yeah. labor interview in a suit? <laughs> I don't know. It's an you hear interview the landscaping. Did you like but meet what at if the I, job what site? What if I wore like like the day laborer clothes and then like you come in for your meeting and everyone else is in a suit? When you feel like more like a jackass, yeah, 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 yeah <clears throat> for sure. So you're overdressed. I thought well, it's better to be overdressed than underdressed. Did you get the job? No, I was overdressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, what happened was I'm like, oh, sorry, I just came from a funeral. <laughs> Did you really? Yes, like, I did. Oh, nice. And I got some sympathy. I guess that's and right. I did get the job, yeah. They're like, so you're not just stupid. You're just in, in mourning. <laughs> right. <laughs> so when they started yelling at me, like <laughs> the, tearing up, I could explain it. That was a good save. <laughs> it, have a co- it had a couple. Uh, so when they're calling you names and you're really crying because of the name calling. The guy's like, bro, man, lay off on Mike, man. Grandma just died. Oh, sorry, Mike. It's okay. Yeah. Good story. 
I did not hear that one. So cool. Um, the Bills play next week. They play the Cowboys in Dallas on Thanksgiving. Great game. Great game to watch. It's going to be the the only primetime game, I believe. Maybe besides the flex game. The flex game being the other primetime game for the Bills. The Patriots flex game. I think the Falcons play at 830. Okay. Oh, I just mean I'm being Thursday. Isn't Thursday? Isn't Thursday. Thanksgiving? Yeah, Thanksgiving Thursday. is in general is considered primetime, isn't it? Or no, does it always have to be a night? Well, I don't know because of the one o'clock game is that considered primetime? No. Oh, good question. I, I don't know. Good question. I always but, thought primetime was like eight, right? Yeah, good good call. I don't know. A night Thursday Thursday night game. I thought it just meant that it's a national game. Everyone's going to be able to see it. Yeah, I, I so, don't know. So I think I'm right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, primetime game next Thursday, one p.m. You said, John, one p.m. Well, the bills the bills are at four thirty. Oh, those the, are four thirty. The Lions and Bears, I think, play at one. Well, that's going to be a barn it's total burn. horse shit that they that the Lions and Dallas always get that. Like, how is that possible? I know. How did they? Like, they just don't Thanksgiving. How come that doesn't get changed? Well, it's right. kind of nice for most of the other teams that actually get Thanksgiving off, right? Like, they don't have to play on Thanksgiving where you would, maybe it's a detriment for Dallas and Detroit to always have to play on Thanksgiving, a big holiday. I think it really, like, is a boost for your fan base. And this kind of like piggybacking off what you guys were talking about. Like, it's a, a game everyone is, t- even if you're not a football fan, you're at Thanksgiving and someone at your gathering probably is. So the TV's on. It's just more national exposure, I think. Yeah. Why did they get the monopoly over it? Like, why? Just because yeah. you started doing it and you just continue to do it? It's like, well, like other things don't end up being that. Like, remember the Green Bay Packers were, were a franchise bought by like a collective town and a bunch of, you know, a, a collective group of people. It's like a share based. Mm-hmm. Ownership, mm-hmm. but then the NFL put the put the nicks on that. Like, we're not letting anyone else do that because if so, the bu- city of Buffalo would have bought the Buffalo Bills if over Terry Pagula, you know, like we would have found a way or whatever. But like that didn't happen. But like, wait, you think the city would have found how much did he pay? Three billion, two, two billion, two billion, two billion. Yeah, they'd have found a way. <laughs> I think we would all would have reached into our pockets, bought a share for how much would that be per person? If it was a hundred dollars a share. For two billion, <laughs> it's uh, roughly two million <laughs> per resident. Twenty million. <laughs> it's uh, that's the entire city of Buffalo. If every child and uh, dog also puts. I mean, in. I get what you're saying. That rule existed, and then it's like, oh, that's, yeah, that's uh, too egalitarian. Yeah, we don't we like that. Not do that. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, you know, but you, but we're not going to change this rule at all. Like, we're not going to give what they should maybe be doing. Maybe Jerry Jones is too powerful. Oh yeah, maybe he's like the. Vladimir Putin of the, <laughs> the NFL ownership. No? Okay, so... Like <laughs> you like that one? Um, so anyway, the next, the next game for the Buffalo Bills is in Dallas against the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. Primetime football for everyone that, that cares. So we'll be talking to you after that game. Hopefully a win. It is obviously a winnable game, whether they win or not. It's going to be a tough one, but uh, but definitely one that they... Uh, I think you were saying earlier too, John, before, before the podcast that the Cowboys haven't beaten anyone of significance either. I don't know if they've beaten a winning team yet. Have they? No, I don't believe so, Nate. So, so it's winnable. All right, let's see how the Bills prime or how the Bills how the Bills prove to play in prime time when the whole uh, whole country's watching. And uh, look forward to uh, discussing with you guys. So, thank you all for listening. So, for John, Dallas is going down, Nate. Dallas is going down, Gary. Only Buffalo is going to win it. Dallas is going down. Yeah. <laughs> For Mike. Uh, 
I'd say thanks to Del Lago for hosting us. If you're in a close enough geographic proximity to come out to the DraftKings Sportsbook, like the kiosks are cool. Yeah. Like we like after we leave here, we should go. We might make another check, bet. check the line for for <laughs> Dallas. Yeah. Um, it, it's just you could bet a, a dollar minimum and try and pick every NFL game for what? What we figure you can win thousands of dollars. Like it's just cool to play around. Yeah. Um, in the sports book. Yeah. So thanks to Del Lago. Can't wait for Thanksgiving. If we win on Thursday, it's all but locked up. Yeah. Very nice. You're nine and three, man. You're you're talking. You're going from. What was it, eighty one percent right now to probably a hundred? I don't know, one hundred ten. They're definitely gonna make it. Yeah, I also want to thank all the all the wonderful people from Del Lago for for coordinating this with us and and allowing us to record here. And I know that in the future they're gonna have some NFL players and some some Bills players make appearances, so we're gonna be able to record them. That's one of the one of the many great things about uh, about talking with them is that they uh, they'll allow us to do this in the future. So. So signing off for me, Nate, go Bills, 8-3, hopefully going to 9-3 next week and Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you guys after some turkey. Have a good one. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a smart water alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.